More Than Optics podcast with Jayshree and Babin. Thank you for joining us on this episode of More Than Optics. Jayshree and I are looking to showcase some of the amazing individuals that we have in the optical industry and so many who are pursuing exciting passions and occupations outside of the industry. We have individuals who have explored exciting avenues outside of optics, and we hope we can inspire you and others to move out of your comfort zone, try something new, and to follow your dreams. And I'm excited today to introduce Priya Patel, who's an optometrist who's used her talent and her creativity to write an amazing children's book about little James visiting the opticians and visiting the dentist as a way of promoting eye care and dental care to, to kids. So thank you very much for joining us, Priya. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. I wanted to get started really with a really basic question in that, what do you do? How long have you been qualified and where did you study? Yeah, so um, I've been qualified for about 11 years now. I work as a part-time optometrist at the moment for Optical Express. I studied at City University from 2005 to 2008 mm-hmm. and um, did my pre-reg for an independent opticians called Vision Care Opticians in Harrowfield. Okay, cool. Good stuff. All right. So City University, that's another City University one. Bavin, we seem to be gathering the City University yeah, crowd here. They seem to be promoting <laughs> diversity and, and doing range of activities. So that's great. Yeah, <laughs> doing something right. City University seems to be the one that, that's that's uh, top of the list at the moment in terms of people doing something different. Okay, and then the other bit, the author bit, how did that happen? So I've always kind of had a passion for writing. I actually wanted to be a journalist, between a journalist and an optician, actually. So it's quite funny that they're quite different. But I was wearing glasses since the age of three, and I always took to what an optician did. And, you know, I was always in, intrigued as what was their job role. Mm-hmm. And... Um, my mum and my parents being in that sort of generation Indian mentality were steering me towards either a medical industry or financial industry. (laughs) I really, really, really cannot do math. So um, I went towards the sciences, which I loved. And she always kind of said to me, you know what, Priya, if you get your degree in optometry, never give up on your passion and your dreams. So follow through. And if if that is writing, then pursue it after you've got your degree. And I kind of thought the love of optometry and the passion for writing, I thought, why not combine the two? So I started with children's rhyming books to, you know, spread that message. Right. Okay. And, and what's involved in getting a book to, to a, you know, a produced article in your hand? Is it a long process? Is it a short process? How does it work? So, no, it's not that much of a long process, obviously, the writing is the initial stage and then I, you know, I go on to working with an illustrator to get the illustrations done. And um, once that's done, I self-publish my books. I purely okay. chose to self-publish because I looked into making customised and bespoke books for practices and being self-published allows me to do that, change the covers, um, allow the practice brands to be there to provide oh, wow. a a patient um, journey, a personalised patient journey. Mm-hmm. And so once I've done that, it's available on Amazon. So it's it's quite an easy process. Um, it's the beginning, getting it done, you know, implementing that sort of uh, onto paper and working with the illustrations, which is a tedious process, but it's, I love it. I enjoy it. So how long does that take? So from, from an idea in your head 
to actually getting the illustrated bit and getting it onto Amazon? What's what sort of timescale do you? So think? I'd probably say about two months um, to about three months. Wow, quite so quick, I think. Yeah, very fast. The writing for me isn't the issue. <laughs> Funnily enough, um, I could I could write a piece overnight. I tend to actually work best at night, and I'll come home from work. I'll have an idea. I'll have a brainstormed put things down on paper and then I will use the hours in the night and um, my husband will be sleeping and he'll wake up to find that hey I've actually managed to get it all down on paper um, oh my god and then comes the edits which is the bit that I guess all authors or you know tend to find difficult because mm. it's the editing that you know I don't have um, editors but I will work with them um, family members and friends to self-edit and okay. make sure that the piece is ready to go okay okay and, and then you're saying you can bespoke it that's the bit I didn't quite get yeah so what I do is um the inside of the book will remain the same so the, the rhymes the illustrations will remain the same but on the front cover and back cover it will be the practice brand on there so the shop front which is quite nice because I think that personalizes the experience for the child they will remember they visited this optician's they will have that book at home mm. and I think it's quite important on those two fronts you know the personalizing the patient journey and at the same time um, practices have these bespoke books that they can hand out with pride that they you know worked hard with their practice and we're showing that by giving their books the books out with their practice name on there wow okay so people are trying to do bespoke products are the, the, the genre of now, isn't it? You can bespoke so many different things, right? Shoe sizes, obviously clothes, et cetera, et cetera. You know, even frames now you've bespoke. Exactly, bespoke yeah. frames, right? So, so why not a book? But um, yeah, it's a bit of a unique um, USP, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, how did you think of the idea for just for doing a, a child's book for visiting an optician? What prompted you to that? I think it was probably my journey. I wore glasses since the age of three. It was highly myopic. And my son as well, who's um, five years old now, and he also needs um, glasses. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what better way than starting with a book where all great teachings begin, I believe, um, and trying to overcome and alleviate the fear of the unknown for children. Right. Um, health visits, I mean, as we all know, um, even in testing, tends to have some sort of anxiety for some patients. Mm-hmm. And I think alleviating that is, is very important and making the visit fun is um, really important, especially for opticians and dentists, because those are the two where everyone will have that bit of a fear factor. What's, you know, what's going to happen when I sit in that chair? Mm-hmm. But, you know, that chair should be a magical chair for that, that child. It should be as fun as a roller coaster for some children. And I think it's of its time, because if you think about what, the work you're doing, Bavin, uh, with the myopia management, you're probably seeing a lot more kids nowadays. And does oh, that significantly does more? It, yeah. Does does, yeah. The, does the anxiety kick in? Do you think parents? Um, I think I think it could do. I mean, I I do try and make an experience for the for the child as well, and incorporate them into the process as well, and realize that they're part of the journey as well. That they mm. should, which you know, trying to build a rapport with them, trying to make them comfortable. I think it makes makes a big difference. So, mm. anything that we can do to alleviate that 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 stress and and kind of get them comfortable. I think helps them, helps us as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's really, really important. How did your uh, How did your son take to your book? Yeah, he loved it. I mean, he practically went around saying, "Hey, mommy, I'm little James. <laughs> you know, uh, I've got glasses." And um, it, I think because the book came out just before, I knew that 
he kind of needed the glasses. I didn't tell him. I brought the book out and I think it really helped his journey. And, you know, he's he's fantastic. He'll remember to put them on. It is a full-time wear at the moment, but he takes them off to play and I'll say to him, you know, Kaylin, don't forget glasses. And he loves it because he's associated himself with this character, which I that's what I really wanted to do, that this character of little James goes on these adventures and he you know tackles these adventures within health and any well-being and children can associate themselves with this character and know that it's okay Mm. you know Mm. we will have these journeys and whatever can help to take us through these journeys is so Mm. important yeah I think being able to see have a see that there's other kids in this and, and I mean thankfully now we do get more children who are glasses wearers so there's less of the stigma around as, as oh, compared yeah. to what they used to be and and i think <laughs> just an understanding that that actually it's it's just a, a normal fact of life it can it can it can happen it shouldn't hinder them in any way no of course not i mean um especially with the amount of screen use there is at the moment yes you know and i've got a top tips page at the back which also helps parents to know what are the factors that are involved with keeping your eyes healthy and I think mm. that's quite important Mm. not just for the children but also for families Mm. yeah I think it's been a big learning curve I mean people have been saying to me you know parents have been saying that homeschooling kids in the the last sort of uh, 18 months has brought home what a hard job schools have had to actually get their kids uh, you know into into some form of learning so you know it brings it home to you maybe you realize then okay yeah you know they've been saying that he's been struggling a bit I didn't realize this much I didn't realize this bad you know or are actually they do have a you know a problem with with keep you know being attentive or whatever it is so these things actually come home when it comes right back to your own sort of learning doesn't it about your kids and thinking okay yeah he does need this help or she does need this help or they are lacking a little bit of confidence or they're not comfortable with what's going on or whatever yeah. so it's been it's been interesting so talking about the pandemic then in that sense what's been the biggest challenge for you in the pandemic or or even the biggest surprise if there's a positive to that i think Right at the start, we obviously, um, the pandemic hit us hard. We lost a few people through the pandemic and um, the family support was the biggest thing, like being able to communicate with each other over these sort of Zoom calls and telephone calls was really important. But I tried to be as positive for my family as possible. And um, especially for my son. And I guess that was when I kind of used that positivity and put it down into the plan that I had. I've always thought I will take up writing and I think the pandemic really helped push me towards that. Mm. I remember having a conversation with my mum last year actually and it was a, it was a very brief conversation and I said look mum this has been happening, I've been writing, I've been putting my thoughts on paper and she said you know what Priya why don't you use this as a positive, do it, whatever happens you may succeed you may fail but just do it because if you don't do it you will never know mm. and that's when I actually implemented the plan so I actually have my, my mum to thank for that oh wow good stuff she's, for you. She's, been, she's been a great inspiration to me yeah. um, in terms of that so I think out of the pandemic I have come out positive because I've used the, the negatives and I've tried to be positive for our family. And that's what I want to be for Kaylin as well, that sort of role model for my son. Yeah, and and, and they feed off you anyway, don't they? Generally, mm-hmm. what you're feeling and, and seeing and how you're portraying yourself subconsciously, they will pick it all up very quickly. Yeah, very quickly. <laughs> you know, so you've got to be, you've got to be, 
good with that and careful with that and make sure that they're picking up the right vibes, I should think. I'm, I'm actually fascinated by it. So you, you, you had a, a fork in the road before you were about to apply for university where it could have gone from two completely different fields. Okay. But actually, we know that there's probably an overlap between them somewhere we can always make make an overlap but was yeah. that a tough decision at that at that time to it was it was, it was a number of conversations going on because I had an A-level in English literature as well so I was um speaking to my mum and she said look Priya, you've got the option she goes I think you love your sciences you can do this first and then the world's your oyster and that is one phrase that I've always remembered that my mum's always said the world is your oyster and I live and breathe that now because I think it is so true. It doesn't matter what degree you go into, you can always pursue dreams mm. afterwards mm-hmm. um, and never to give up on that. And mm-hmm. that was the biggest thing for me. I, I knew that at one point I will take up writing, mm-hmm. whatever form it may be. Had no idea it would turn into a series of children's rhyming books, <laughs> but that is the biggest surprise. And that's what's been amazing because it wasn't a pre-planned, an implemented plan. I just had it last year and I thought of it and I went with it yeah it's good so how are you rolling them out and how are these books actually getting out how do, how do people find out about them where where are you where are you pushing so, it if you like so they are available on Amazon I tend to do all my marketing myself so I run my social media platforms okay. um on Instagram on Twitter on LinkedIn Facebook and so it's available for families and parents on Amazon. And the bespoke versions are, I actually connect with a lot of people via all my social media platforms. And when they see my posts that I've done for um, practices, they will get in touch and let me know if they want to place an order for bespoke orders, basically. And it's difficult, I suppose, when you've got a little project, as it were, I would call it for now, because it certainly sounds a bit more than project to me, but I would call it a project at the moment for, for where you are, you know, to, to balance that, all the social media, because that takes time, right? Social media, all of that takes time, <laughs> posts, you know, all of the content, keeping it fresh, keeping it alive, you know, all this sort of thing. Because uh, lots of opticians will be thinking, you know, especially with the pandemic, if you think about it, lots of opticians that part of their business maybe wasn't up to spec at the time you know maybe they weren't on social media too much maybe they were doing one thing or another and in that time they had to really push their online offerings and make sure that people knew they were open and what was available and all that sort of thing so how do you balance all that sort of social media side of things looking after your family and doing the optics as well I'm not going to lie that has been a massive challenge I have been the time management has been one of the things that i you know, when I started off, it just kind of was a roller coaster. But I've actually managed to do okay so far. I do get my husband occasionally saying, you're on your phone all the time, you know, put it down um, in the evenings. Um, but I've managed to I fit work in, I fit my family life in, and I'll spend a couple of hours in the evening where I'll be like, okay, I've got to put this aside to, you know, doing my content on social media mm-hmm. and connecting with other people mm-hmm. and doing my posts and reaching out to people. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think the biggest thing there is making time for myself because I believe that's so important. If I'm on my best form, I'm the best version of myself so I, I think it's so important to make time for yourself and so I tend to go to the gym where I spend a couple of hours clear my head that's me time and then I'll have my ideas figure out a plan of what I'm going to do in the day and and I just fit it in so at the moment it's going okay <laughs> touch wood is that where all your best best plan come that best plans come in, in, in the gym? That, that is that is actually where I'm in my moment and I've got my own headspace. That's there. interesting. 
Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's a good good adage really to have some me time to actually let your creative juices flow, think about things differently if you like. Because often we, you know, people say, "Oh, or do you do meditation, mindfulness?" It's all quite, you know, yes, yes, I do ten minutes here and ten minutes there. But if you have a dedicated activity which you're regularly doing, that can make the difference in terms of the creative side of what you're trying to do. Am I right? Yes, 100%. And I only started actually doing the um, the whole gym workouts at home. And that started in the pandemic itself. So I, I would say I'd go to the gym maybe once every few weeks prior to that. But at home, I decided, um, you know, my husband was working from home. I thought, take some time out. Let me start work doing home workouts. Um, and that led into the gym once it opened. And now it's become a routine, but it's that time that I need for myself to refocus, re-energize, um, you know, get the endorphins going, come home. And I, I know that what I need to do, what I need to get done for the rest of the day. Well, that's good. You've kept good to your form. And be, I think more and more what we're finding out, Pavan, is that discipline is a, is a key driver. I think it's <laughs> maybe not been mentioned before, but, yeah. but, you know, people that want to get things done, there is, a, there is a good degree of discipline in what you're trying to do. And organising, yeah. And organising, yeah. yeah. Time management is said time. and It's something that's used again and again, but how people manage time, what, what they use to manage their time is important. You know, some people use an app, some people use different things, but it's trying to keep on top of it all, isn't it? Because yeah. when you're doing more than one thing, you are spinning lots of different plates, aren't you? Yeah, uh, often I get I get asked, um, I got asked today, and you know, how are you juggling, you know, home life, gym, um, the books, work, and it does tend to sometimes become overwhelming. But you've got that one thing that allows you to find your perspective, and I think everyone needs that one thing mm. because you're able to achieve your goals and everything else if you've got that one thing for your own mind. Do you believe there's a book in everyone? I do. I I do. <laughs> I say that, but. My husband, I can't, I can't, he, he wouldn't have picked up, a, picked up a book for the life of him. So, you know, I think, I think each person is their own individual, but. Mm. So turn that on its head. Do you think anybody can write a book or is it something that, so if I wanted to write a book and I thought, well, I don't know anything about writing a book, but I'd like to think about it. How would I go about doing that? Where is, where is my start point and trajectory of how I could do that? Well, it depends. I mean, like I said, it, it depends on that that creativity like I believe that um if you've got a plan you if you've got an idea you write it down you kind of have to storyboard it storyboard it yeah well that's that's how I work I believe every person is different but if they've got a plan in motion you've got an idea that it all comes from that one idea put it down on paper and then let your thoughts the blank pages your canvas that's you can write anything you can spiral your thoughts and then once you've got that you can implement a plan the biggest thing I'd say is that to not be afraid of what may happen face your challenges head on because that was the biggest thing for me Mm. I had all these thoughts you know I was so terrified of what if I fail what will Mm. people think the attraction but I faced those challenges head on and I thought, mm. you know what, I need to take that leap of faith. And if I don't try, I won't know what I'm capable of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that's I think, a really important thing, actually. Just I think everybody faces that there's that moment of no return, <laughs> which you have to do. And then you've got to put yourself out there once once you've you've said, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And what would you say to others in the in the in the same position? 
I'd say take that jump. I'd say mm. do it. You know, I still love optometry and I will always love optometry and I'm still t- practicing. I love helping my patients. But diversify your life. Mm. If you have other goals and other aspirations, follow them. Because mm. if you don't, there will always be the question, what could I have done? Mm. You know, if you take that leap of faith, you won't know what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you want to know, can I succeed? You might fail. But at the end of the day, failure and mistakes can always be overcome and you can get to your end point there. Yeah. Those opportunities. Absolutely. And the other thing is surely what you do creatively comes back to optics as well in some way. Surely there's a there's a feedback into that, right? Yes, of course. Like um it's it's like how you would speak to your patient. The patients rely on you to provide them with that recommendation, that health care. They put their trust in you. And if you're confident in what you're saying to your patient, that creativity is also there from that confidence because you know that. You're trusting in yourself as well by providing mm. that confidence to those patients. And I believe I put that into my writing as well. I, I mean, I want to be able to inspire other people. And mm. I have had a lot of people who have said, you know what, I love writing. How did you go about doing it? Like, And I think it all goes back to that sort of Indian mentality where our parents have probably geared us or steered us in one direction. But never give up on those dreams is the end goal well I think you've had a good mentor in your mum like you say she's not said oh forget it we don't do that you know so mm-hmm. I've had a friend sort of say oh you know I wanted to do this and my mum said no sorry we don't do that well yeah. she said oh, we don't do that we, we actually do this is what we do we do either medicine or we do this yeah. or we do this and, and you've spent all that time at university all that money training to be an optometrist so what are you doing doing something <laughs> else do, now? yeah you know, yeah. what's all that about you know sort of thing so we are so obviously with your mom she recognized that yeah no no there isn't there is another passion there and you know be sensible do do this and then you can go and do what you want to do sort of thing or, or do it in tandem you know like you're doing now so you're lucky that you've got somebody like that in your camp because sometimes <laughs> that's always the case I would think yeah, yeah. so how did you find that the business side of things because obviously you, you you've got you've got, first you've got optometry now you've got writing writing in itself and then creating the book that's a whole process and then now you, you obviously have to selling the book and spreading the word how have you found that side of things the business yeah, marketing yeah, I side mean, i mean do you know what to be fair I'm, I'm so grateful for all the support i mean initially i've had throughout the whole journey i've had so much support from friends and family and also the practices that have invested you know taking the time to purchase books and i've worked with the practice owners which has been great like so surprisingly it's going really good i'd have to say that obviously the majority of the sales do you know come from the bespoke versions of the books yeah yeah um, but it's it's been brilliant because of I've met so many people, I've connected and engaged with so many people. And I think it's brilliant working with independent practices, getting to know their, you know, unique selling points and seeing how they work, how they operate, what kind of clinics they're running. And I think it's been so far so good. <laughs> yeah. And that must add to what you're doing as well, like you say, because you also may, maybe they're running clinics a different way or, or pursuing different avenues. And you might think, oh, that's something I didn't know about. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I've, I've, I've definitely learned a lot from them as well. So which is, so I think, I think it's been a massive learning curve for myself. It's been a growth for myself, along with growing my business, which obviously started off with just writing books. And, you know, it's taken this, this complete turn. And, and 
I think it's been fantastic. Okay, that sounds good. So in terms of where you're going now, okay, and where you move forward, if you like, what are you researching in terms of the book side of things now? Are you going to be doing different healthcare industries? Are you going to concentrate on what you've got now? Or are you doing any sort of extra research in other, other bits and pieces? So at the moment, I'm focusing on um, finishing the series, so which there's a few right. more books. So it, obviously, it's it's a health and well-being series. So it's okay. tackling other, you know, health and well-being factors. Um, so I'm going to push the next few books out. One of them should be launching within the next five weeks. So oh wow, yeah. So that will be um, that will be good. And then I'm just going to keep connecting. I'll finish the series and then. You know, like I said, the world is your oyster. See where it takes me next. Oh, sounds good. I mean, like you say, you have a plan and, and therefore it's a case of... So when you're talking about other healthcare, where are you? Are you thinking of specific roles or are you thinking just general healthcare in terms of where you're going? So in terms of health and well-being, so it's like, for example, one of the books is about nutrition. So I'd probably go towards the nutritionist. I've got um, a couple in terms of um, he learns to swim, he practices yoga visits the hairdressers so still easing anxiety over these sort of visits and well-being mm. things okay that sounds interesting like you say it's it's a case of choosing a topic and then working around it by the sounds of it yeah so the great thing about the series is there's a lot of scope for it. this one character goes on various adventures and he's overcoming these fears and tackling maybe the concerns that there may be at this point in our generation sort of thing and I think that's really important okay sounds good and what about after you finish this series haven't thought that far ahead (laughs) but I'm sure I'm sure I will come up with an idea at the moment I'm just focusing on this series because I think it's really important to just focus on what I've got going at the moment rather Mm. than far-fetched you know Mm. but I will I will obviously be Whatever thoughts that come to my head, I will always jot down. Always have a little pad with me. Any ideas, jot them down. I've actually got a lot of niece and nephews, which, funnily enough, will be like, "Oh, what about little James does this? Little James does this," and it's it's brilliant just seeing these kids being so excited. It's great. You've got a market, yeah, market yeah. research going market on straight away. Researchers, they they are they have been fantastic. That's like good. Niece and nephews have been my little proteges. They'll listen to you know the story before it's come out. And I dedicate each book to one of them. Yeah, no, that, that must be nice too, to have a bit of a part of you in there and, and a part of them as well. So that's, yeah. that's, that's good. I like the market research bit. That's a clever way of doing it. <laughs> but, but it also ticks the boxes in terms of you being confident of what's going out there, isn't it? That's the thing. Yes, yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll say it as it is, won't they? They will, they will, yeah. 100%. You know, they don't yeah. have no, no filters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And in terms of optometry then... Okay, as an optometrist with that yeah. hat on, what ticks your boxes? Where's where's it going for you in terms of optometry? What do you think's on the future horizon that you that excites you with optometry? Well, um, I'm really actually interested in the myopia control. So mm-hmm. that's one thing that's um, I am really interested in. I've, obviously, at the moment, I haven't looked into it, but I've had a lot of um, friends who have said, you know, talk to me about myopia control. So I'm, when I start taking that next step I'm really looking forward to looking into the myosmart and um, you know these lenses that are out there mm-hmm. I think it's quite exciting because also I do love working with children love working with my patients at the moment obviously I am working part-time with a laser eye company I continue to do so and I'm um, working in um, central London 
So seeing kids is not a big part of my clinics at the moment. Mm, mm. Funnily enough, with the books, I've had a lot of uh, practices who have asked if I would consider working as a self-employed opt-on. So maybe something I'll be considering in the future. And have you found in the city things have changed now? Because obviously, you know, with the pandemic, things have moved quite differently. You know, some, there's a sort of a reshift, a rebalance, if you like. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's been when I was working last year through the end of last year, it was a complete ghost town. It was, mm. it was so upsetting to see the city life that we've once known completely change over. Mm. But it's actually picking up now, like train journeys um, are picking up, people mm. are back to the offices, we've had four mm. clinics the last couple of days. Mm. Um, so it's it's actually quite exciting to see and be back to that sort of fast paced city of course. life. Of course, yeah. um, because I think it's what we need to, you know, get that normality back. And mm. I think a lot of people's mental health is so important. And um, mm. the patients I've spoken to, they're, they're actually really happy to be back in office. That's yeah. good. I suppose, like you say, things have to come to some sort of normality. And it's finding that right sort of place, isn't that right balance that people feel comfortable enough to travel in and, and get back to some sort of normality. But equally, they quite enjoy the fact that they can actually work from home and, course, and yeah. drop, their, drop their kids to school and do all yeah. the things that they want to do, really. It's trying to find that a whole that whole new routine again now if they're getting yeah. back to it. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to do some quick fire questions. Are you ready now? So short answers, please. Are you ready? Go for so, it. Okay. Sort of answered this, but let's hear it anyway. What would your parents describe what you do for a living? Optometry slash author. That's good. So that's what I thought it would be, but I wasn't yeah. sure. You see, so it's, it's, <laughs> she's on your page and she actually knows what you do, which is sometimes... <laughs> You know, not the answer that you sort of worked your life for and they come out saying computers or something like that. And you're like, oh. no, no, they, they know, they totally know. <laughs> um, so what's the best compliment you, you have ever received? I'd have to say people say I'm funny. That's probably the best compliment. Yeah. I didn't think I was. So <laughs> Good stuff. And what is your favourite restaurant and the favourite dish you, you would order? Oh, that is a tough one. Why is it that? Why is that tough? Because I'm in between Chinese and Indians. <laughs> well, we could, we could, we Indo could. Chinese. Indo Chinese. Yeah, yes. Indo Chinese. Yeah, go on then. So go on. You, we could accept two if you're if they're going to be two good recommendations, I suppose. I'd probably have to say a chili garlic mogo. Right. Yes, I love that. Um, from um, Cardamom Lounge, and I'd have to say Pakistan for Chinese. What is oh, chili? What, what, what is what is mogo for the people that wouldn't know what mogo it's, is? It's uh, cassava. It's starchy, carby. I love my carbs. Starchy, carby, and yummy is the three it words. It fills you up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so sorry. So the first one was that and the second one was? A tofu dish from Hakkasan. Oh, Hakkasan. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. So actually, I'd, I'd be curious to know if you could go back in time and speak to your younger self before you started university what would you say tough one because I believe my younger self I used to always live by and I still do work hard play hard I've always lived by that I'd probably say work smarter as opposed to work harder and maybe have a plan in motion so that I could achieve my goals a lot earlier in life work smarter tell me more so just having a plan in motion maybe invest in a practice Ah. practice something that my brother's actually been telling me for a long time so he's a he's a dentist he's 
got various practices. Um, yeah, and um, he's always thought that, you know, well, I should have had my own practice. And I would say to my 18-year-old self, I'm going to continue in optics, get your own practice. Interesting. So do, do you see that in the future for yourself? Maybe, possibly. I think it is something that I would still like to do. Mm. Um, and if it is on the horizon for me, I will take it on both hands open. Okay, so what are the barriers then? What are, what are the things that are holding you back currently or, or, you know, that you have to overcome to get to that point? To consider? At the moment, um, I'd probably say my family life, sure. especially because obviously I have a very diversified life at the moment. Mm. So I would want to be a little bit more settled before I take that on. Mm. Um, because I, I do believe making time for your family is very important and oh, yeah. um, at the moment if I was to take on a practice I barely am managing to juggle all four things um, at the moment so I think once I've settled a bit more it is definitely it would definitely no, a, be something on the yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge commitment you know it is a huge yeah. commitment without a doubt so yeah okay cool sounds good brilliant so thank you very much Priya that, that was fantastic very very motivational and inspiring to hear your, your journey and and I love the fact that you've got this kind of creative outlet for, for writing uh, which I think a lot of optometrists sometimes they and people in the optical industry they they need a, a creative outlet of some sort and it can be like anything maybe writing uh, drawing painting all, all of those kind of elements and I think I think writing is a really great way of kind of expressing your thoughts and organizing what, what what's what's going on in your mind so no, fantastic thank you very much thank yeah, you thanks. so much for having me no worries no worries thanks for your time and 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 keep uh, keep inspiring people and like you say the, the important thing is that people actually think about things in a different way and process things in a different way as you said to try and move things forward and the anxiety which i think people don't really you know as opticians we don't think about anxiety of people coming to see us because we're doing no, it yeah. every day you know, we're, we're like, oh, yeah, that's what we do sort of thing. But, yeah, I think it's a good pause moment to say, OK, people might be a bit anxious about coming in to do this. And this is one way of moving that forward, isn't it? And making it a bit more comfortable. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have anxiety over going to the dentist. So. <laughs> good stuff. Thanks for your time today. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks. Take care. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the More Than Optics podcast. Make sure you're kept up to date with all our future episodes by following or subscribing to our channel. And don't forget to check us out on social media at More Than Optics. We'll see you next time. 